Lord. Would you go with me in your scriptures to Acts, the first chapter? I just want to take a, um, a verse reading out of Acts, the first chapter, 11th verse. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Ah, it's great to be here. I feel like Peter said he didn't know what else to say. You know, he said some things that just really, he got excited and said some things that, that probably others were thinking, but he blurted out, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We need to build some tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And a voice came out of heaven. Said, no, no, no. No, hear him. It's good to be here this morning. The blessing of the Lord. We ought to build for him a tabernacle in our heart. Amen. And so let's look at this verse, Acts, uh, the first chapter, 11th verse. And maybe I need to back up to the 10th just to, to, to set what's going on. And as they were intently looking into heaven, he having gone, Jesus having gone, and behold, two men in white clothing stood by them, who also said, men, Galileans, why do you stand looking up into the heaven? This Jesus, and I do like the, the rendering here in King James, it said, this same Jesus, the one being taken from you into heaven will come in the way that you saw him going into heaven. The same Jesus that you saw go away, in like manner you will see him return again. I think uh, most of religious effort Nominations and preachers will, will say that's the second coming of the Lord. The problem being, the disciples are not here. So they will not see him coming in that way here in 2023. Now that gets a little weird to say, and I'm going to sign for about two or three months. I'm going to sign 22, but, but we're, we have advanced into 23. So we say that this morning. The disciples are not with us. The apostles are not with us in 2023. So we're going to have to date these words. I think you can find the connection there in John 14 chapter. I'm going away, but I'm coming back to you. And so there again, I, it, it, we're, not, we're not talking. He's, he's talking to the disciples. He's not talking about 2,000 years later, he's talking about an event they're going to witness with their lives. Some of you standing here, he says, some of you standing here will in no wise will you pass away until you see the kingdom of God come to pass. I can't take um, 23rd chapter, is it 24th chapter of Matthew, 25th chapter, and say all the predictions there 
are about end times. They are not. They were about their day. The Lord is coming back. Amen. Maybe this year. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. The Lord's going to come back. He's going to step out and say there's time is no more. And so we want to be prepared for that. But at the same time, I don't want to be so focused on what may happen this year, next year, 5, 10, 15 years from now that I don't realize that he's been coming back to the church lots and lots of times. They don't have anything to do with the, with the last or, or what we call second coming of the Lord. So we want to be ready for his entry, his coming every time that he descends and comes into the church. Well, having said that, we want to go back to uh, another place in uh, Luke. Don't excuse me, in Hebrews. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. I will go back to Luke, but not right yet. Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 8th verse. This verse is um, very familiar to us. We quote it a lot. And uh, so... Uh, some years ago now, um, I think it was, uh, I think it was Ronnie said, that, "Look, we need to look at the first part of this verse, verse eight. The first part is verse seven. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Considering the issue of their conduct, imitate their faith." And so, this next verse will be what to imitate. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Actually, the Greek rendering here says into all ages. So which would be forever? So whatever age we live in, whatever dimension we're in, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the faith of those that went on. One of the focal points of their belief and faith was that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're going to work on that a little bit this morning. Is that all right? We're going to work on that a little bit. Jesus Christ the same. You know, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have another topic for you this morning. I'm not going to preach to you prosperity in 2023. And if you hit a certain, certain uh, uh, scripture that, you know, maybe Psalms 119 and 20. So what you need to do is give $119.20. And I'm telling you what, the blessings of God. No, 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 we're not doing that this morning. No, we're not starting the year that way. We're going to start it this way. Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. That was the faith of those gone on. And it's the faith of those who are here. Thank you, Lord. We, we uh, are going to endeavor, Lord, to release what you put on our hearts. We're going to endeavor to lift you up. Lord, we don't have faith that sometimes our faith in people doesn't work out. Sometimes our faith in religious effort, churches, doesn't work out. But Lord, you are the same. You don't falter. You don't fail. You don't change on us halfway through the game. But Lord, you're the same. You're the constant. Lord, the un, 
changing God. And we ask, Lord, that you just anoint us to, to speak it and to hear it this morning to your glory, to the blessing of your flock that's here. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. I think if we could esteem this verse the way those that have gone on before esteemed it, our faith would be founded in the promise, in the promise that Jesus is unchangeable. And I'm going to talk a little bit because I think there's some folks that believe the Lord has changed. I think there's some that, that see in a little different direction. But I just want to set this course this morning and for this year and for this church. Because if we can set this scriptural fact in place in our life, this, this, isn't, this isn't subjunctive to how you feel about it. Maybe, you know, they have written this wrong. Maybe we just aren't believing this right. This is a fact in which we build our lives upon. And the fact is, is that Jesus Christ does not change, will not change. He is who He is today. He is who He is yesterday. He is who He is, and He will continue to be that. Once... He has been Lord and Savior. He will always be Lord and Savior. See, upon this scripture, we can expand the knowledge of who we know in Him. We can expand this knowledge of who He was and who He is right now if we can understand that He has never changed. We don't have an old God, Old Testament mean sort of God, judgmental God in an Old Testament time, and then a new, different, accepting God who just receives everybody and everything in New Testament time. No, God does not change. Somebody say amen right there. Because if we think that we have a changing God, then He adapts to the times and the seasons and He adapts to whatever social efforts are going on and, and culturalistic things that, that, that may matter to us but don't matter to God. And I can say this about His Word. His Word is unchangeable. No one has the right to change His Word. No one has the right to correct Him. He is all power all-knowing, all-knowledge, he does not need to be corrected or modified by what we think. And so I trust in this, that this Lord that I serve, he's going to carry me, he's going to be the same tomorrow. And this is our hope that no matter what happens this year, it could, calamity could hit. I mean, I mean our, 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 our culture might even get worse. Things might, uh, laws may be passed that, that would that would hurt Christianity. There's a lot of things that can happen. Our economy could crash. We don't know. But I do know this, and I preach this, because I've been broke, and I've had some, and I've had much. But I know this. Jesus Christ is the same no matter what happens, no matter what dimension, no matter what economy, no matter what government. Jesus is the same. You can trust Him. You can put your life on him because once he is the savior he's always the savior once he is the firstborn that i talked about last week he is that firstborn and i don't care who wants to change the scripture who wants to make it look otherwise 
He still is the only begotten of the Father. He is the firstborn. There is no other. It's Him. He's the great high priest. And He will always be the great high priest. He always will be the priest and the sacrifice for our sin. He is the good shepherd. There never will come a day when he's not the good shepherd anymore. But he is the head of the church. No one's going to wrestle it from him. He is the head of the church. He was the head of the church. He will be the head of the church into the ages. He is the Holy Spirit baptizer. He said of himself in Acts The first chapter, John baptized you in water, but I'm not baptizing you in water. I'm going to baptize you in spirit. He has not lost that power. He hasn't changed it. He hasn't given it over to another God. He is the spirit baptizer. People might argue that. They may go different directions with that, but he is who he is. He is the I am. How many believes he's the I am this morning? He was the I am. His witness to the Jews was before Abraham was I am. But he was the I am standing on the bow of the boat when he said I am. He is the I am right now this morning and he will be the I am forever. I am who I am. I am what I am. He is the great I am this morning. Romans, the ninth chapter in the fifth verse says that he is God over all. He has ascended to the highest. He is supreme so that everything is underneath him. And if you look at the rendering in, in, the, in the Greek scripture in Romans, the ninth chapter, the fifth verse, he is Lord God over everything. And he will not ever quit being Lord God over everything. It's Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to know this, according to John, the first chapter, he is the exegesis. Some of you recognize that word. Some of you don't, don't know what it means. It just simply is the explanation in detail, the exegesis. He is the detailed explanation of the Lord God Almighty in the flesh. This man, this Christ Jesus that we look at, he is the explanation. He's the one that explains. He's the one that shows us, and he will never quit being that. He was, he is, and he will be. And let me say this, that he is the greatest teacher to ever utter knowledge. No one can match him. No one can surpass him. He is the great rabbi, even though that title isn't specifically over him in Scripture. He is a rabbi. They called him rabbi. He's the greatest rabbi to ever take the podium. He is the greatest rabbi to ever stand up in front of a group of people and begin to teach them and utter to them the words of God. And I want you to know this. Once a rabbi, once the greatest rabbi, he will always be the great rabbi of the church. Then we kind of lost that, and I spoke about that a few months ago, and it just, it's just still on my heart 
that Yeshua, Jesus, is the great rabbi of our faith. And because he is, because he was, because he will be, he does things in certain ways. We can identify the work of the Lord. We can identify really when he is involved in a thing. Because if you know him, his works only declare who he is. We know him in personal salvation. Amen? We were lost and undone. We were going directions that we should have never gone. And something happened in our life. And it was the salvation power of Jesus Christ that broke the chain of sin over us. And we know, we know, each one of us, if you don't know this morning, you need to know that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. And so we can identify that. We know that. I turned on some, some gospel music for the first of the year coming up. And, and man, the guy that came out there on the platform with the mic I'm telling you what, that guy's full of the devil. Calls himself Toby something. Mike or Mac or something, something. He looked like the world. He smelled like the world. He looked like a homosexual. He acted like one. God does not receive praise from that mess. It doesn't matter how far worship thinks it's gone. God receives only that praise. Heart worship before God that he enjoys, not what the world wants, not what the, the church thinks it should look, look like, but it is a constant before him. He never wants our praise to change from being heartfelt, and those that want to worship the Lord God are going to find him and worship him. And it doesn't matter what changes in the world. He does not change what he expects from us. Can you say amen? We want to modernize him and get him up, up and running. Don't you know, Lord, that, that we're worshiping you now with the smoke and the lights and the mirrors and, and a bunch of people dancing, looking like the world, sounding like the world, and this is a praise to God. No, he doesn't receive it. He was, and he is, and he will be. His praise was, and it is, and it will be. Nothing is going to change about it. He only receives those who are hungry and thirsty and honest before the Lord. And that's it. He doesn't go to the new things that we think that please him. His patterns, his ways, the parallels that he presents, Old Testament to New Testament, New Testament to the church. Those patterns and ways, I see him there. I find him there. I know him there. When I see something that doesn't look like what his pattern is, I'm going to have to reject that. So I say to the church, the further we go, the more off the, the, the worldly church is going to get. And, and it may not be obvious to you now, but it will become more and more obvious. We're not going after the way of the worldly church. Somebody says, well, you're just an old fuddy-duddy. That's right. I'm anchored in a 2,000-year-old faith, and I'm going to believe that. I'm going to stand in it. I'm going to work in it. That's the gospel I preach. That's the gospel I teach. That's the gospel we have received, and we're not moving off the rock. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there. 
So the Lord's patterns and parallels, they reach back to old. And even though we've got a new year upon us, it, it means nothing to the Lord. His patterns, what He's established, what He set in the beginning, it's just the course which is carrying out what He's already set. God already determined this thing a long, long time ago. And His patterns and ways, they reveal Him. They show Him. We are forever. The Lord helps us. And when He does, we are forever coming to the church and saying, Look, we want to show you something out of the Old Testament that it looked like it may have been about the Hebrew people. That they may have thought it was about their kingdom. They may have thought it was about their family. But we want to show you that Jesus said, go back in there and look at it again. It speaks of me. And so what we want to do is show you the parallel that God did there. And he set up there. But he really is just showing the same thing that he's showing us today. And that is a declaration of who he is. That's what he wants us to know by way of revelation. He is showing us who he is. He doesn't want us to be strangers to him. He wants us to know him. But it comes by revelation. The flesh cannot receive the revelation of God. But the spirit does. And so we teach spirit things to those who are spiritual. We teach flesh things to those who are fleshly. And we come along till we get to the point where we begin to understand that flesh and blood has no part in the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit of God. And that's not going to change. And so we, we bring these what we call revelations, these, these parallels these types and shadows of things that have been gone, but yet they reveal to us who is here with us right now because He is an ever-present God. Amen. God's not a God of the dead. Now, I didn't say that. Jesus did. God is not a God of the dead, but He is a God of the living. See, the, the dead have gone on, and they're with the Lord. But we're still here. And so he doesn't deal with that. He doesn't preach to them. He doesn't teach to them. They've come into a revelation of God that we don't have. When you eclipse this life and you, you come into glory, you're going to see him as he is. Can you say amen? But until such time, he's revealing to us and showing to us. We're alive. We're walking. We're going. We're doing and God is revealing to us so that we may know Him, so that we may see Him as He was, so that we may see Him as He is and as He will be. We sometimes take the things of God and we see a new revelation and we think it's a new thing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's an old thing. It's established from old, from everlasting. God did some things that are so easy for us to understand, and yet there are some things that are in mystery 
Paul talks about the mystery of God, and I believe what the mystery is is that it's a covering over our fleshly minds that we can't see him, but, but when he begins to reveal his mystery to us, it's not a mystery about end times. I could care less about end times. I gave up on trying to figure out end times a long time ago. I need to deal with now times. I'm not going to prepare for then, but if I prepare now, I'll be ready for then. And so, you know, I'm a little kid, and they're preaching about uh, uh, who is the, the 666. Now I remember it. Man, it was all kinds of people. It was Hitler. And then they figured out it was Stalin. You know, you take the letters of the name, and you, just, you ascribe a, a numeral to them. I don't know how all of them. It was per, I don't know how all of them are the 666, but Stalin and Hitler, uh, even John F. Kennedy, one of the favorite uh, presidents ever, and he was... It's a 666 on his name. Henry Kissinger. I mean, just put them all in the hat. They're all 666. And we're looking for the Antichrist, and he's going to be a Syrian Jew come out of the Middle East somewhere, and everybody's worried about it. Listen, listen, that's a distraction to your faith. Your faith is not that. Your faith is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. What I need to know right now is I need to know him today so I can identify him when I get to tomorrow. If I don't know him now, I might miss him tomorrow. And so today, after such a long time, the Lord said, today, after such a long time, if you will hearken to his voice, it's always today with the Lord. I would say in a sense, he's not preparing you for tomorrow. He's preparing you for today. You may not wake up in the morning. But today is the day of salvation. Somebody say amen. We're walking in faith right now. Today. And my faith is Jesus Christ is the same. Whether I'm back there or I'm today or I get to tomorrow. He will be the same in my life. And so, the Lord shows these examples of Old Testament. And it's interesting because He comments on them in the New. You can trace it and find Him commenting on that in His Gospel, in His New Testament time. Noah built an ark. But don't just build an ark. Build it the way I show you to build it. Because God already has a purpose and a plan. You know, we see God kind of, you know, he's like the old western guy at the quick draw. He just, it's an instant. He just have to go. No, no, no. God has everything planned. Everything purposed. Build an ark, Noah, but... You're going to build it the way I tell you to build it, or it's not going to float. And so Noah builds the ark, but Jesus comes back in later and said, God shut the door as it was in the days of Noah. And they were eating and drinking and making merry, and God shut the door. And that ark became an example of an Old Testament time of salvation that carries across into the New Testament that if you don't get in the ark, man, 
you're going to be drowned with the world. Amen. Amen, amen. Abraham, take your son, your only son, and I want you to take him out to a mountain that I will show you, and I want you to sacrifice him there unto me. And Abraham, with a broken heart, and we, 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 we hear that song, you know, Isaac and Abraham, and, and, and he takes that boy, even though that's his only begotten son. He has a son out of wedlock. But that's not in the line. That's not in the will that God had purposed. Well, take your only son and take him to a mountain there, and I want you to lay him on the altar, and I want you to sacrifice him there unto me. And Moses does this. He gets to the very point of actually slaying the boy. He's tied him down on the altar, and, and he lifts his knife to slay the boy. And that's when the angel of God says, don't do the boy any harm. He never did want him to do the boy any harm. He wanted to show a parallel to Abraham and start the faith. The Jewish faith starts with Abraham on a mountain getting ready to slay his son. And it will end on a mountain with God not sparing his only son and laying him down on the sacrifice and offering him for the Jewish nation and for those who come after them. It's an example of what God was in the old. He still is in the new. Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle. But I want you to do it after the pattern that I show you. You're not building a tabernacle willy-nilly how you think it should be. Well, I think it should have red carpet, and I think it should have softer seats. And I, No, 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 time out. If you don't build this exactly... Like I tell you to build it after the pattern I show you, you might as well not even build it. If Moses doesn't do exactly the pattern, God's Spirit will not come and inhabit that place. We're trying to get out of pattern in the church, and God is trying to keep us in pattern. And we're struggling to bring God out of His pattern to where we want him to be in the church, and he's not doing it. If we do church any other way than what his pattern has designed, he will not show up and be in the church. So Moses, you can go ahead and build it, and you can go ahead and put it together however you think it should go, but I'm not going to be there. So Moses builds it exactly after the pattern. See, God has pattern that he carries from old to new. And so we know that that pattern was a pattern. It's going to be a pattern for the church. It's going to be a pattern of Christ. It's going to be a pattern of the people and the inner court and the holy of holies and the mercy seat and the sacrifice of God. And we know that that all comes together as a pattern. But Moses, you better do it the way I told you to do it because if you don't do it the way I showed you to do it, the pattern will be incorrect. And so God 
is the same God of the old tabernacle, the same God of the temple, and the same God of the church. Can you say amen? He didn't deviate. And so what I'm trying to do is, you know, like always, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of setting a foundation for you here, and, and we're going to come to the whole point. We can see a lot of the Old Testament things, how, how the Lord brought forward in dimension and time. We, we can understand that. I think we struggle with bringing the ministry of Christ into the church. I think that's where we struggle. I can understand about Moses. I understand about Noah. I understand. That's clear to me. What was done back there is perfect pattern. Perfect type pattern shadow. The prophets and all the things that went on. But when we get to the ministry of the Lord, we like we fail to understand that that is what he wants. And what I mean by that is that we're so quick to change what the Lord did and what the Lord established. We just took communion. I try to do that the best I can according to as it was 2,000 years ago. I try to do that. Because let me tell you about communion. It hasn't changed. Jesus didn't say, do this as often as you, but, but when you get to the 20th century, if you want to go with hamburgers and, and soda, then that's going to work too. No, it's not. I mean, they tried that, right? They just, well, whatever we've got. Which, no, there's some implements that the Lord said to take. And so does he receive something else now? Has he changed? Has he's, No, I, it really doesn't matter that much. We'll just do it another way. Whatever you got there, what do you got in the cupboard? You know, well, I got some beans and, and, and biscuits. I've good enough, good enough. We'll just, no, 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 no. He never changes who he is. Somebody say amen. And, and so we see it's easy for us to understand old things coming to the New Testament, but, but now we struggle with maintaining what the Lord set down as the walk of life in the New Testament. Ronnie and I have been talking about this a little bit. I think the Lord's leading us here this year. Let me tell you something, church. Overachieving is just as bad as underachieving. Commanding more then what Jesus said is as big a disconnect as not obeying what he said. I'm going to leave that sit for a second. No, no, in our zealousness, we, 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 we go further. No. No, no. We're not going further than what he laid down. Because in doing so, there is a disconnect from him. I don't know if all of you are getting that this morning or not, but the Lord put that on my heart. Because we think we do more than what he's asked us to do, that we're going to get closer to him. No, you're going to get further away. 
because you're going to build in your own righteousness. If you stay under his umbrella, what he's commanded us to do, then we know it's about him. When we get out on our own and we're going to do things that he didn't say to do. You know, it's almost like the prophet came to David and said, said to David, wanted to build the Lord a house. He was in his new palace and he looked out and there's, he just sees that flapping tent blowing in the breeze. He said, I've got to build God a house. The prophet came to him and said, who told you to build me a house? So if God doesn't tell you to build it and you build it, he does know. If you, that's the world's way. If you build it, he will come. He will not. <laughs> What's that, the field of, of dreams or something? If you build it, then we, we've almost kind of built on that ourselves. You now if we build it, we build it grander, we build it greater, the Lord's going to come. No, he won't. I'm going to tell you where the Lord's going to come to the most humble setting he can find. He's not coming to the big blowout celebration balloons and, 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 and stars and stripes and, you know, God loves America. God loves Mexico, too. I mean, he, that, that doesn't attract him. Patriotism is not godliness. <laughs> I hate to tell you. I'm a patriot. I love America, but that's not godliness. Man, I do sing. We, we, we witnessed something where they where they had preached the gospel and sang and nobody was moved, man. They got up and began to sing America, people raising their hands, tears rolling down their face. No, wait a minute. No, that's a Trump rally. That's not a church setting. In church, the tears roll down our face because Jesus is yesterday, today, and forever. Not because we feel an emotional surge of, of you know, whatever makes us cry. So God has established patterns. Can you say amen? And so the pattern of the Christian church, well, watch it now, watch it now. I want you, everybody to listen to me real close. The pattern doesn't start on the day of the birth of the church. The pattern was already established. I'm on thin ice, I'm going to tell you right now, I, not with us, but, you know, people that don't understand what we believe in the Lord say, I'm pretty thin ice there because, wow, I thought we're in a new dimension. I thought the church was, there's this ideology that says the church age is different than the life of Christ. And I'm going to teach you this year, and our pastors and preachers are going to teach you this year, that the church dimension is not different than the life of Christ. I don't know how we got there, but we're coming back home. Come on back home, church. Come right on back. We're going to, the Lord's just standing there. You know, we've run away. We took all the goodies of the kingdom and ran away. And now he's standing out in the road, looking down the road, seeing if we're coming back. And when we finally do, he's going to embrace us with an embrace. He's going to put the ring back on our finger and robe on our back. Because what we've done, we've taken his things. And we've gone out and used them in another direction that he never designed that we should use them in that way. And so I think, you know, demanding more than what our rabbi called for, 
go in another direction than what our rabbi called for is a disconnect from his things. Somebody say amen. That's, that's just good. right? I, I feel like I should stop right there, but I've got a couple more minutes. So, so stay with me. I just want to hang that in the air. Denominations of Christian organizations, churches, are forever modifying plus and minus what the Lord said. It's never good enough to just take what he said, the pattern he laid down, and just live in that. It's always a plus or a minus. We know a lot of churches, what we call worldly churches, they're taking God's things and just, just spoiling them. I mean, it's a mess. I look at that stuff, and I hope you do too, and say, I don't want any part of that mess. You know, God judge it all. I'm not, I'm not putting he- people in heaven or in hell. It's not my place. But I don't want anything to do with it because I don't see the Lord there. I don't see his pattern there. I don't see his process there. I can't identify him as being there as I can identify him in the Scripture and the Word and the Spirit of God. I don't identify him in that stuff. And so I just don't want anything to do with it. Like I said, I'm not putting people... That's God's business. But I want to know him the way he was. Can somebody say amen? I want to know him the way he was. Because if I can know him the way he was, I'll know him the way he is. And if I can know him the way he is, then I'll know him forever and ever and ever as being that same one. I, I want to look at one little thing, and, uh, and then we'll go. The Lord just showed me this. I was reading, studying, and I stumbled and stumbled. The Lord kind of took me to this, Okay. The Lord had already set a pattern for the birth of the early church. Now, I know all of you Bible scholars, you you know where I'm going. We're going to end up in the book of Acts. But what I want to tell you is if we can begin to understand the ministry of Jesus Christ, then we'll understand what he's doing now. If we miss his ministry, we are going to miss the picture of what he wants the church to be. So let's go to a a setting of Scripture that you all know so well. I don't even have to tell you. Luke 9, the crowds come out. They're following him. He's preached to them and prayed for them and healed their sick all day long. They're way out by the Sea of Galilee. They don't have any food with them. They thought they were just coming out for a short trip, and they stayed all day. And now the Lord looks at them, and he says, they're hungry, and they're going to faint unless they are fed. Now, I want you to take every concept out of this because this is really the birthing of the early church. And so, I'm going to provide the bread. You're going to feed them. Jesus doesn't go out handing out. He gives it to his apostles, his disciples, and they go out and begin to hand out. But first... I want you to set everybody down like we are this morning. 
and I want them in companies of 50. And I said, Lord, where are we at with that? Companies of 50, okay. I want you to set them down. Because when God does something, He doesn't need your help. I know the church feels like we need to help Him. I know the church feels like that we need to institute that his gifts are present in the service. I know the church institutes that, that in order for us to know that you receive the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, that you have to do this and that and speak this, and you have to do that because we really don't believe that Jesus can do it supernaturally. I've got to take part in it. I've got to make it happen. And as you know that know me, I'm a make-it-happen guy. One of the hardest things for me is to let God do things. Something needs to be fixed, I just fix it. Something broken, I fix it. Something, well, hey, we'll just do whatever. Just whatever it takes, we're just going to do it. That's what I've done, what I've taught my kids, and what I've taught my, my grandkids. You just do it. You don't wait for somebody else. Just quit moaning and groaning and do it. And then God says, I want you to sit down and shut up. Because this isn't going to be about you. This is going to be about me. So there they are in groups of 50. He takes the bread, like we talked about this morning. One of the signs of Jesus was that he took bread and broke it, blessed it, and broke it. That was one one of the signs about him. I think that's one of the patterns that we did this morning, right? And he blesses, breaks it. And the fish breaks it, hands it to his disciples. And now they go out and they deliver the food, the bread, to those that are sitting, waiting, doing nothing. Listen, I want to tell you this. When he set them down, it's okay, look at me. When he set them down, all eyes were on him. Whoa. Imagine yourself in this meeting, and here comes up one of his disciples. Hey, hey, you guys need to sit down over here, and, and uh, so I want to put you in 50, and so we get 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and, and no, you've got to get out. That's 51. You move over there, and, and they're getting them all, all arranged and, and all set up, and, and now... The guy in the front, Jesus, he's got some loaves and he's got some fish. And I mean, every eye is on him. And a miracle happens because he did it. You're going to go out of there praising who? Jesus. Because that's why he does miracles. He doesn't do it for praise for men. No, 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 no. There is no man with the healing touch. No, that is blasphemy. Only Jesus does what he does. Amen? He doesn't need our help. Is everybody okay with that? Well, if I get the right prayer, bless God, he's going to have to do it. <laughs> he's just laughing in the heavens. What? You think I have to respond because you said it's magical prayer? I will do what I do. And one pattern about him is that men do not control God. He controls men. You're not going to tell him what to do and when to do and how to do. I don't care what kind of faith you have. Let me tell you what your faith needs to be. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
That's all your faith needs to be. Well, if you believe you can move mountains, believe what? Believe that mountains are going to move? Or believe that Jesus is your mountain mover? And so the church has wrestled the doubt of the hands of the Lord, and they've aided in the miracles of God. That's, that's fringing on blasphemy for me. And so they all ate. Everybody say all. And were filled. Say filled. They were all filled. They all ate, and they were all filled. And then they had, just by chance, they had 12 baskets of food left over. You ever wonder about that? Said, well, they give them to the little boy. There's no way he could carry 12 baskets of food home. Not happening. That's not what it was about. He's trying to show a pattern and a principle because now I'm going to take you over to the birth of the church. Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, do you know what the word Pentecost is? Someone? 50? When the day of 50 had come, Pentecost was 50 days after the death of the Lord. He sets them down in Luke 9 in 50s because he is about to fill them completely full. And in the upper room, they are in, the King James says, one mind and one accord, and really what it translates more accurately is one desire upon one person. I never knew that. It uses same as same place. No, it's the word auto, which is third person pronoun. It's they were there waiting for Jesus. I contend that this morning that he told them go and wait and they're waiting. They're not just in one place and in one mind and one accord. They are there. They have one desire, and that desire is they are looking for the promise of the Lord. As they sat on those grassy hills, and they could do nothing but just sit and watch as the Lord began to pour out to them bread to eat. I'm telling you this morning, they were sitting in an upper room. They had nothing to do with it. God moved supernaturally and He come down and filled every one of them. They were full. They were pouring over. They had plenty. And when they were done, they had 12 apostles that were left over that were going to bring the Word of God again and again and again. And it was the same Word. It was the same Lord. It was the same Gospel. It was the same thing that God had been doing all along. It's the same pattern that God had used all along. Somebody said, we got in a new dimension and now we're going different ways. I contest that this morning. I contest that by the Word of God. That God did not set out a new dimension for the church to travel in that wasn't already patterned by the life of Jesus Christ. The Apostle John said it this way, and I'm going to close here. As he was in this world... 
so are we. Mm. I'm reeling it back in. People think, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to say, whatever, what, whatever kind of explanation you want to give it, the church is going to go way out here and do these things. That No, the church is anchored in the ministry of Jesus Christ. The pattern of what he did is what he wants us to do. As he was in this world, so are we. The things that he did, the things that, that, that he accomplished, the thing, greater works shall you do. Not, be, not greater in, 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 in the sense of, of being a single greater thing than what Jesus did, but greater in mass. But you're going to do the same things that Jesus did. You're going to do what he did you're going to accomplish you're going to preach the gospel to the poor eyes that are blinded by sin are going to be open uh, prison bars are going to be open where those that are captive and hurting and down that's what God wants to deliver he came to preach the gospel to the poor and so the church has erred from that and we've gone into a dimension that God never said to go in and called it Holy Ghost or called it whatever and left the format that he had designed. And so church, we're coming back. Everybody say amen. We're coming back. If you'll go with me, we're coming back. I'm not going out there. I'm not staying out there. I'm not looking for the next revival. I'm not looking for an end time revival. Anti-scriptural. There should be a falling away. Does that sound like end time revival to you? TV producers, Christian stuff, claiming millions. TBN now I think they claim one billion people that they've led to the Lord. I'm not sure they've led one. God is not using the world's ways to produce his things. He never has and he never will. Just be sure of that. He laid a pattern down and we just need to walk in it. God, show us the pattern. Can you say amen? It's Jesus Christ. What he was, what he is, that's what he wants his followers to be and to copy. Can you say amen? And we are empowered by his spirit to do exactly that. What? Jesus said you'll be endued with power. You will become witnesses of me. Everybody say amen. If you think that was good, say amen. If you think that you want to think about it in this coming year, say amen. If you think, you know, I'm going to get on board with that. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Say amen. Would you stand with us? God bless you so much. We love you. We're going to do our best this whole coming year to just keep preaching this gospel. It's all going to be centered in Jesus, everything about him, not about us, not about our church, not about our way. We may even get a church building this year. We don't know. If it's his will, we will. But even in that, we're going to maintain that it's him, not the building. Amen? It's him, not the property. It's him, not the stuff. We've got to stay right there with his pattern. Lord, we thank you. I delivered what you've given to me. I hope that it fell in hearts. You said the word of God, it falls. Sometimes it falls in stony places, and sometimes it falls. The birds take it away. But, Lord, I pray this morning it fell in good ground. Lord, it will begin to mature in hearts. Make us like you, Lord. Make us to be what the pattern that you've already laid down. 
You spent your whole ministry life laying down a pattern for us to follow. And I pray that we'll do that. And we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.